So, see some of the things that pretty much perennial topics of concern in doing these meditation practices is just this the bodily discomfort and also the imbalance of the energies. It doesn't have to be so hard, so physically tough, and and uh, you know, and to to practice. Does it have to be so hard? Um, you know, physically demanding. Um, it's as, you do as best you can. Is a simple answer. Mm. You know, we take as our model the idea of you know the sitting upright, you know, alert, and uh, with no sickness. Um, but that that's not the way it is. <laughs> People get sick, <laughs> you get headaches, you get uh, all kinds of, uh, not just temporary, but long-term uh, physical challenges. You know? Um, you know, body chemicals are not balanced. Uh, people have long-term um, issues around sleep deprivation, are unable to sleep, or um, energies out of, out of kilter. Uh, um, swings and sways of... In, in the system, so we can't. Though we refer to this, you know, the upright body, healthy as a line, and you have to operate around that as best you can. Uh, and recognizing that uh, even if you are fairly physically well, it still it takes time for the body to to learn to adjust and. Um, also to develop, the body to develop the kind of um, supportive structures that uh, that you can use in sitting meditation. Um, this is because, apart from anything else, most of the time now we sit in chairs with the legs tucked away from us, so the body is almost broken into two or three bodies. You know, there's the legs which are nowhere because you're sitting on a chair, uh, you've got the main trunk, which is resting on the back of the chair. Then they've got the head, which is busy over what we're doing. So, you know, you get that was like three separate entities. And this could be something you've been doing since you were six years old or even younger. And now you're 35, 40 or so. Well, that's quite a lot of, uh, of um, body moulding, particularly when you... You start with soft tissues when you're seven or eight, and now you're 52. The tissues are no longer so soft and pliable. And so, fortunately, I, you know, I started practicing when I was 19. And I, so this is why I use these qigong and yoga and things like this to encourage people to, uh, you know, bring the best out of the body they can. Because if it is established properly, it's a wonderful resource for this stabilizing and to to draw the chitta to a grounded state. Okay. Yeah. Now, normally the chitta is following the mano faculty. The mano faculty is this organizing faculty of mind, organizing abstract organizing faculty. What I'm going to do, what's going to happen, what's the nature of the world, where was I, what will I be? And this is something that occupies 
probably the majority of our attention these days. Uh, you compare it with the time of the Buddha, no clocks, no schedules, um, you know, um, not really direct, not really abstract at all. We deal with getting through the forest. You don't have to have an idea about it, you have to know where your feet are and how to get through that forest. Uh, it's pretty direct, moment of time. You don't even know if you'll get through the forest. You might get eaten by something. So you have to really stay really alert. So the very embodied is the culture. It is the culture. It's, it's your, your primary upbringing. At the age of six, you'll be running around, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the dirt around your father's, your mother's yard, uh, outside, and, you know, chasing birds or something. You won't be looking, <laughs> playing video games on a computer. <laughs> Uh, so so they, they didn't really talk about this a lot because for them it was already established we had to do the work to get back to that foundation as best we can and do it do it slowly carefully avoid the idea of too rigid an attitude uh, around around sitting you know be prepared to be a little bit mobile I would I would avoid just you know slumping but if you can sit upright and then move a little bit, take a few deep breaths, lengthen. And if you find it too difficult, stand for a while, sit for a while. Of course, walking. Now, again, walking meditation is, is a very fine meditation. Um, and then you've got to find some space to walk in. Again, for the city dweller, that can be challenging. You know, do you have some space you can walk in? If it's outside, it's not going to be the cars and people bustling by. Well, uh, do you have a, a passageway if you're living in a shared condominium of some kind? Do you have a shared passageway you walk along without people bustling past you? Maybe in your room, if you have a 25 paces clear, some space in your room. Uh, or even 10 and just walk really slowly as if you're almost walking on the spot not so much slowly but modest pipe, modest step, modest movements of the legs just gently and to get the swing of the body when you walk because again as uh, people who are led by the thinking mind thinking mind always goes in straight lines <laughs> get to that place and you know as quickly as possible thinking mind always works in straight lines body doesn't work in straight lines the body you know in order to move you have to shift your weight from one leg to the other leg and swing the leg from the hip <laughs> we're, not, we're not a clockwork toy you know you wind up we're like more like a you know an organic system. Just notice how you swim. If you swim, you know the body does this to swim, doesn't it? Well, that's walking is a little bit more like that, really. You know, when you put your weight on your left leg, you know your right shoulder will tend to come back. Put your weight on your right leg, your left shoulder tends to come back. 
not exaggerate, I'm exaggerating a little bit now, but so your waist is flexible. This helps the um, abdomen, which can also be rather rigid with pressure, with, with tension, helps to gently soften it. Yeah. And your walking meditation, keep your eyes slightly downcast because the way the mind chitta runs out is through the mind, through the thinking mind, or out through the eyes. To the point in the distance we're aiming for. Well, in walking meditation, you're not aiming for any point in the distance, but your eyes do that by habit. So you want to turn them down a little, soft focus, widen around the eyes, and feel the whole body moving through space. This itself is a nice, gentle way of returning to embodied life. Standing, sitting, reclining, difficult to practice reclining, but the Buddha did and uh, passed away reclining, clearly alert, clearly mindful. Um, To the last moment, his dying moment, we will die lying down, most likely. I can't imagine dying standing up. We will die lying down. Mm. So we want to be have a meditation or a way of cultivating attentiveness, awareness in the reclining position. So you definitely do this. Uh, It can be that when you want to retire for the night or take a nap, lie down quite formally on your side or on your back in a very clear, not a fetal position, but slightly more you know, like you're standing up, you know, so straightness to the body, not too rigid, but so it's a very form, it's not a collapse, it's a replacing something down, like you're placing, lengthening the body and placing it on the surface for the evening, for the night, or for your whatever time you're taking a break. Um, if you go on the side, that would be that would be probably more alert, but you can find hip problems or discomfort and you can lie on your back problem there you could easily just fall asleep so bring your attention before this because the energy drops when you lie down bring your attention from the crown of the head as if you're drawing a line internally from the crown of your head down through the spine to the soles of your feet so bear in mind soles of the feet crown of the head or if you can't feel the crown of the head it's much high up in your head as possible or even above your head soles of your feet up to the space above your head that's the length and try to draw your awareness over all of that as if you're extending a thread and then width of the body across the chest and across the hips you can make that more accessible by putting your arms out Beside you, you know, so, you, you, so your hand is flat on the floor, flat on the surface, or placing your both your hands on your chest. So again, it's it's relatively formal, uh, and that gives you the feel of your chest, and you're not huddling over. Chest is open, resting your hands here. This using the hands because the sense, the tactile um, sensitivity of the hands does keep you awake 
a little more wakeful than if they're just you lose, you lose them when they're just relaxed. So hands touching each other, touching your body, chest or abdomen, wherever it feels most relaxed and comfortable. And then you feel your as you breathe, you can feel your body swelling into your hands, your hands resting on your body. Uh, maintain awareness of that contact. Spread it across the body, spread it down the body with attitude of may this form that I've placed laying out, may this be open and well. If you're lying on your back, for example, you'll have that very long foundation of the back, all that pressure, that contact impression. So you can use that just like you're sitting, you've got the base of the pelvis, the upper legs you use as the, as the earth earthing device standing use the soles of your feet reclining using your back and let your shoulders rest into the surface or if you're lying on your side side of your body rest into the into the surface that's when there's that sense of firmness then it allows the front of the body to open up because we feel a sense of security the body feels it ah, you know drifting around in outer space, you've got a firm foundation, the body feels safe, chest can open up. This can be very helpful for um, you know, really releasing tension, also um, stag- stagnant states of mind or even uh, afflictive emotions. So all of these, you know, and why use the body is because um, Jitta, and I, I keep using this word, uh, it's the effective aware sensitivity, you could call it heart. It's receptive, sensitive sensitivity of our mind, and it's direct. It feels. Now, thinking mind or the aspect of thinking is not about feeling, it's about imagining, placing, giving attention to abstractions drawing things to one's attention, even placing things in your heart. Like, well, is that, 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 that's that. That means that place in the heart. Oh, wonderful. Right. Well, that's that. That's, that's her and him and that. There's some nice people I know. Places it in your heart. Oh, lovely, happy feeling. Or is that? That looks frightening. Places that in your heart. Oh, dear, unpleasant feeling. Now that, where you place attention to derive meaning and response... You place something you can see or think or imagine. You place that where you place it, where you get the feeling and the response. That that where you place it is chitta, heart awareness, and this is this is what can be liberated. You know, it's liberated from the afflictive responses, fear, agitation, panic, despair. And it's liberated through beautiful responses, compassion, equanimity, clarity, resilience, purpose, determination. Liberated through these qualities, liberated through the enlightenment factors occur in the heart. Faith occurs in the heart. And wisdom arises in the heart. So wisdom is a sensing wisdom. It feels so good to me. It feels like... Because what are you trying to learn? You're trying to learn 
that's unskillful, feels bad. That's beautiful, feels good. These are not just feelings born of sense contact. These are feelings of the chitta. Heart feels, it's, it's affected. And this is a very good guideline, guiding place, but to clear that, to clean that, so it's not just caught up with obsessions and phobias and, you know, you clean it. And then like a, you know, uh, like a guitar string that's properly, you know, oiled and properly tuned, you get some nice resonances. And it can be freed from the resonances of fear, greed, hatred, delusion, confusion. And then there's something that can really, you know, this is, is the process, meditation, chitta vimutti, cleaning, liberating the chitta. Yeah. Now, why, and this is, we'll talk about more on that later, but what's this got to do with the body? Because jitta, it's fundamentally feeling what's happening in the body. That's its home base. When nothing else is going on, it will reside back in feeling the body. When the other sense doors are closing down or absent, it'll come back to body. So, as we're saying, this is about living and dying, when we're dying, no future. When we're dying, no abstractions to deal with, no tomorrow to deal with, no past to deal with. If you're cleaned, you're jitty, you don't have to be struggling over the past, which is an abstraction now. When you're dying, you want the direct experience, and that means the, the thinking faculty will begin to be very erratic. Visual faculty may have faded. Um, altogether. The others, odours, tastes, you're not going to be eating anything. What are you going to come back to? You're going to come back to the body. And this is the place where the jitta will gather itself in the body in order to to leave. You know, this is like the departure lounge where we arrived, we were born in this, we, this is where we leave from. Yeah. So it has a fundamental relationship with the body. Mm. It's the home base. And, uh, and that's not just birth and death. That's also when you, as you clear, as you're aware, when you're um, excited, you get bodily agitation. When you're comfortable, you get bodily relaxation. When you're angry, you get bodily heat. When you're frightened, you get bodily cramp. When you're under pressure, you get bodily constriction. Yeah. And one of the issues that we have to deal with and be clear about in our life is most people are operating under enormous amounts of pressure derived from the abstract world of time and place and getting there by eight o'clock and getting this done by Tuesday and hurry up, da 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 da, uh, and to go work harder. So there's an awful lot of pressure coming from the abstract world, coming from the world of get the job done, uh, watch out for the traffic, plan your plan your vacation. Uh, go through this, that and the other. So a huge amount of impact, the abstract, and after a while, the jitta can't process it all, uh, and the body begins to close down, because we don't have to use our body to think about, you know, the project that we're doing. Go out into our thinking mind, so the thinking mind gets enormously overcharged, 
jitta is always left behind uh, and the body closes down, gets quite tense, constricted. Many people can't feel their entire body. They feel their head, maybe in some stressful places they can't feel their legs, back, back of the head, soft tissues, you know, the inner edges of the arms, they can't feel those, mostly their hands and their head, and, you know, maybe whatever they're sitting on. And so this then means that the body becomes uh, um, somewhat um, impaired, and the energy doesn't travel around it, and the jitta loses contact with that. Therefore it loses contact with that, it goes out into the abstract world, and the abstract world is uh, is fast, and a lot of it is about not for your welfare. Personally, it's about getting your things done. It's about worry. It's about anxiety. It's about pacing yourself, rushing forward, achieving things. These are all very stressful energies. They're, they're demanding uh, energies. Uh, and they're not bringing loving kindness and self-acceptance into the system at all. They're doing exactly the opposite. Mm. So we want to return to the body. Return to the body just to kind of pull out of the virtual world. Return to the body to feel more natural rhythms, like the natural rhythm of walking, the natural rhythm of breathing, and feel the effect of those. The chitta is suddenly being held like a baby again, gently rocked. Ah, gently breathe, nothing yet. Less pressure, much more mind, doesn't have to do much at all. You don't have to make it work, you don't have to get results, you just have to rest in, in those processes. And the jitta's receptivity, the receptivity experience, which is jitta, is feeling something that's no problem. It's comfortable. And it, so therefore it begins to be fed by that, fed and nourished by that. Yeah. And so living within a harmonious body is very strengthening and gladdening for the jitta. Yeah. And from this we can also develop meditations because the jitta becomes, as it becomes stronger, it becomes more subtle and refined and it can detect the nature of phenomena properly service the jitta and if we're sick we lie down or we and we contemplate the energies in the body when you're sick you don't have to make it become something uh, you don't have to rush ahead and get great results you just bring awareness onto the body and spread it over the entire form now it's often the case that people assume that being mindful of body you've got to focus on a particular point at a time maybe or mindful of breathing, you have to focus on a particular point in your body, such as your nose. There's no reference to this in the Buddhist suttas. It does not occur. You know, if it's so important, why didn't the Buddha say it? What he does say is things like you can contemplate the earth element in the body, the entire body, the materiality, the weight of it, the heaviness of it, the thickness, the you know the tissues the gristliness of it, contemplate those experiences through the whole body. Contemplate the air element, 
the moving of breath, opening the body, subsiding, contemplate fire element, the vitality and warmth experience that runs through the whole form, contemplate the water, the, the, not just the wetness, but also the way that one part of the body just flows into another. There are no divided, there are no walls inside the body. There are no cut-off zones. If there are, that's a problem. And if you contemplate water, fire, earth, air, and particularly water, you get that mind picks up that quality. It's the nature of jitta. It easily mirrors. So it, when we mirror the water element, the fluidity of the body, wherever you experience it, or the warmth warming effect of the body wherever you experience it, the jitter picks up that quality of warmth and vitality and you're bringing that back, spreading that over the entire body. Now, you may feel difficult areas of your body and you just, there's a difficult area. Spread your awareness over the entire form as if you're placing the difficult area inside a lake or cold area inside a warm bath and just leave it there. Don't fiddle with it. Leave it there and it will gradually dissolve because all these constrictions are about energy that's got compacted either through body posture, through fear, through shock, through trauma, through overworked impingement. This is how you use body and this is what jitta is. These two work together. So when that, that is purified and clarified, then the jitta uh, begin to recognize this body that I live in is not flesh and bones, it's a subtle energy body. And that energy body begins to quiet down, calm down in the dying process, or even the living process, the jitta can calm down. As it calms down, its energy cools what remains is the awareness. And so there are two aspects, fundamental aspects of the jitta. One is the knowing quality, the ability to, to witness, you could say, though it's to be receptive. There's energetic quality, which is a sense of being affected and vibrant. And as the energies cool down, uh, there's a kind of open, aware property. Now, maybe some of this is esoteric, but you can practice this in this very life. It will not do you any harm in this very life. It will be for your welfare in this very life. And we will die. And maybe this kind of thing, if you're doing it for your welfare in your life, it's going to be for your welfare in your dying. Why not? Makes sense, doesn't it? We've always assumed that body is this thing we can see with our eyes made of meat and bones, and that's one aspect of it. But more important is this subtle body that chitta lives within, which is affected by good and evil, love and hate, uh, contracted and expanded, disorganized, disoriented, but it can be steadied and calmed. Now in this process, as practitioner pointed out, from time to time, the, the energies go strange. You feel like you're kind of up in your head, or, or you know, energy is always too powerful. 
or a person finds themselves going to these involuntary twitches, which is another phenomenon that can occur. You know, that the body's involuntarily, you know, it can feel quite agreeable. You know, you feel like you're releasing something because it's about energy. But um, this is um, not to be encouraged. Uh, so it means the energy is, isn't properly grounded in the entire body. It's kind of, uh, yeah, if you imagine like using the body like a, a post and you tether, link the chitta to it. The chitta tends to swing around when it's untrained and rush out, not just into thought, but into its own exuberance or into its own energies. It gets, in, gets giddy with itself and it spins out. Um, this isn't something one decided, it's just a, a consequence of living, you know, that life force being imbalanced. So we need to come back to the materiality of the body, feeling bones, tissues, grounding, standing, walking, reclining, sitting, you know, just really earthing yourself in a simple physicality of the body and the sensations of it uh, and keeping the mind chitta quiet it gets excited or it keeping it quiet and simple and now then you can lead it with a thinking mind thinking mind is not bad but it can be unbalanced jitta can be unbalanced the body can be unbalanced Thinking mind, balanced thinking mind says, okay, foot, this is skin, sensation is like this, back is like this, spine is like this, just pointing and uh, uh, uh. so you don't let the jitter run away. Another question here. Is it normal for a yogi to experience the jhanas while practicing vipassana? Um, yeah. Well, these these two words, these pieces of Buddhist language, jhana and vipassana, are um, have various interpretations of them. What they refer to. So it. Uh, is what we're talking about. Uh, by and large, what's you know, this is a long tradition, and you know, two thousand five hundred years, uh, moving from um, an Indian basis into um, Sri Lanka and Thailand, Malaysia, you know, moving all over the world, we're all over the Asia. And so each of these had their own cultures, their own languages, and somehow the languages, the original Buddhist language, the terminology naturally has been subject to different interpretations and also different influences. So, um, you know, which over time, the, the tendency is to get more and more specialised and more and more uh, specialised language and specialised situations. 
So, for example, the word vipassana in in the suttas it refers just to uh, um, using the mind to look into the causes and conditions behind any mind state. So, in my mind state, you know, maybe I feel slightly dull or confused, or and then what's this based upon? Looks into that, and well, there's not enough. There's an absence of faith here. Faith element isn't present. Oh, the energy isn't right. Oh. So then, using this this investigative insight into looking into the causes and conditions through which phenomena arise, the current state arises, and recognizing that the current state is conditioned. It's not self. It's not a stable basis. It's impermanent, conditioned. And so. I mean, this sounds rather abstract, but that's that's what you do, looking into and uh, noticing. So when my mind is in this mind state, my mood is like this. I notice uh, a lot of thinking present, not much body present. Hmm. What about if I try to bring a little more body into it? How does that change things? What's it like when I even recognise this mood in my mind is not myself, but just some phenomenon that's taken over? And all the stories that come from that mood about, oh, life is useless, I can't do this, those are just coming, their source is in this particular mood. Their source is not reasoning. This source is not the stories that we claim it is. The root of it is the chitta is dull or unsettled or unsteady. So with insight, you begin to acknowledge that. And then you can find ways to approach that practice, that experience, like turn your attention this way, remove your attention from that, direct it to this. You know, this is absent, this is present bring up something that's that's um, supportive. And notice all this is conditioning. There's no self in it. So there's no self-criticism, no self-blame, no pride, uh, and um, so on. Let me clear that. And it brings around detachment and dispassion, which is these are insight phenomena, sense of detachment. Witnessing a mind state rather than being involved with it. Dispassion, no longer feeling agitated by it or oppressed by it. Oh, it's like that. Cessation, we will begin to understand what phenomena are keeping that going and terminate. Relinquishment, relinquishment of the self-view that can occur around mind states. This is vipassana process. And that can be done on a fairly um, mundane level. You know, going and sitting in the office. What's this mood in my mind? What's this sense of stirred up? Oh, that's caused by the idea I've got a deadline to arrive at. And it's just, hmm, where's that deadline? What does that mean? It means fear, pressure, worry. Okay. 
what's it based upon? Fear of being blamed, rejected, losing my job. What's that based upon? Lack of faith, lack of confidence. What's needed here is some metta, calm, soothing. You know, the deadline, if you're taking one minute to cultivate your own well-being, that shouldn't really have a major effect on the deadline. <laughs> Can you take 10 seconds? That shouldn't be too much of an imposition on your working day. Just to withdraw and calm. So we personalize many benefits as a, as a, as a skill. Um, but it did get very uh, kind of um, made more technical over the centuries into something that involved a very refined scrutiny of mind by mind moments. So this can be a, this a thing called vipassana meditations or vipassana teachings, which encourage the meditator to notice very tiny, discrete arisings of mind moments and the spaces between them. And that could be done. Uh, people can do that. It does require a pretty intense situation and scrutiny to do it. Uh, and it's not something the Buddha taught. Uh, even the idea of mind moments really is derived from the Abhidharma Pitika, which is a slightly later presentation, analytical presentation. The Buddha doesn't talk about mind moments, he talks about mind, mind ever-changing, but there isn't this kind of analytical dividing to, to that degree. It's there in some some degree, but not that kind of moment-by-moment moment thing, where you've got it almost measured down to nanoseconds. Um, so that that's not, you know, I mean, people can do this, but... Um, it doesn't seem necessary for, for all forms of practice. It's technically advanced. The average practitioner in their daily life is not going to be able to do that. We're looking at how do we make our life a practice. When you're dying, how do you make your dying a practice? Same thing with jhana. The Buddha used this as, as this thing. This is a space where you find yourself in comfortable at ease. Um, and you return to your body, get into those where the jitta and the body meet. Yeah, we are picking up that place where the jitta and the body meet, the awareness meets in the body. And you can use that around breathing, around body sensation. He says you can do this walking, standing, reclining. As a sutra, he says, I, I experience all these jhanas. I can derive benefit from them while I'm walking along. So, okay, what's he doing? He's being in the energies of the body as it walks along, because that's where the jitta meets the body. Jitta meets the body at the energetic level. Right? See what I mean? Jitta's energy can be agitated, body can be numb, steadying, bringing together through something like mindfulness of breathing, the jitta begins to get more open and calm and steady 
body begins to wake up and be brighter, the two meet, samadhi, this unification of body and mind. And he says, well, this is a jhana process. This is what the word is sometimes translated as meditation. When the Buddha encourages monks to meditate, he says jayati, which is the verb from jhana, get into this, get into it. There's a certain exhortation, encouragement. As that arrives at a place of stasis where the, there is some stability, he calls it first jhana, where, which has certain factors to it. The ability to have attention that's not scattered, but placed attention and in examination or evaluation that is one's receptive, one's active mental activity is just exactly right, light touch, openness. And there is a quality of refreshing energy and a soothed mind state called Piti Sukha. This is jhana. Now, you know, that takes practice to do, but it's. But we often see, or we can see in some lineages or some transmissions, this jhana has become extremely inflated to almost a supernatural. Uh, absorption where you can't be aware of anything in this kind of hypnagogic state um, you can't practice wisdom in that but in the kind of way the Buddha talked about jhana you can practice wisdom you can practice vipassana within it that is as you're experiencing a comfortable grounded settled state you're turning your attention what's this made of this is made of materiality quality of faith is present, the quality of pity is present, the quality of sukha is present. These are impermanent, these are not self. Uh, it's doing the work of cleaning the system, but are not attached to it. And then this is how we cultivate insight into jhana, within jhana. So... Um, I think I've talked quite a bit today with this last few sessions and uh, this itself can cause too much mental activity. <laughs> so um, you know, I'll stop there. And it takes time. Give yourself the time to settle into a simple walking, simple sitting, simple standing. Put the more complex questions to one side for now. Put the questions about your role in the society and put that to one side right now. And just uh, look after yourself, get yourself fit and well, comfortable. You know, and we will continue. Things will unfold.